You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, you're going to hear from Josh James, the co-founder of the eco-conscious NFT platform called One Of. He'll be discussing the potentially far-reaching ramifications of NFTs in creative industries, as well as potential technical and commercial issues NFTs are facing in its early stages. Come and learn something. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had some good conversations in your breakout rooms. Apparently, I'm going to get Ethereum transfer notions. All right. So what's on tap? You are here. We're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse. This is actually the 67th uh, event we've done. We do it basically every week. I think we took off a couple around Christmas and Thanksgiving last year. Um, after the introduction, we're going to do a fireside chat with Josh James. And then we're going to do two rounds of breakout rooms, kind of similar to what you just experienced, um, a little bit more focused. And the question is why? It's because this is a diffuse tap. We spend about a quarter of our time or three quarters of our time networking in small groups, really just give you a chance to meet people who are playing in all sorts of alternative investment strategies from all over the world. The other 15 minutes, we have a speaker come on to talk about something we think the audience will be very interested to hear about. And then just as an FYI, we have started doing a series of roughly monthly in-person versions of this where it's, you know, still networking, just do it face-to-face. The next one is September 28th in Atlanta. So if you're in Atlanta around then, let us know and we'll give you the details. Uh, what is Diffuse? Why do we do this? We are an alternative fund incubator. We try to find high alpha, more domain expert investment strategies, and we actually create funds around them. So you can think of us as an alternative fund incubator. Um, also the first, and as far as I know, the only alternative fund incubator. Uh, one that we just launched about a week ago is MaxFi. It is a DeFi fund, very, very in vogue right now, um, but it's a market long exposure, high yield investment strategy. Um, StableFi, we launched a little over a month ago, and that is a uh, market neutral high yield. Um, there's an obscene amount of opportunity out in DeFi right now, so we're just kind of tapping into parts of it. So with the boring bit out of the way, Today's speaker is Mr. Josh, oh, apparently I can't speak, Mr. Josh James. Josh, do you want to unmute yourself and give a brief introduction about you and one of? Sure. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, luckily, 67 is my lucky number, Kenny, so I, you chose to put me on the right. No, I just made that up. That's not true. Um, <laughs> um, my name is Joshua James, and I'm one of the three co-founders of, uh, of oneof.com. Um, we are an NFT marketplace specifically focused on the music sector. Uh, my co-founders are Adam Fell, who's the president of Quincy Jones Productions, um, Quincy himself, and a man named Lynn Dye, who is our CEO. Um, we actually launched last week um, with iHeartRadio. We did a promotion with iHeartRadio, which was pretty groundbreaking, where we gave away, or we're actually giving away. You all could go there right now and get a free one. We're giving away a million free NFTs, um, which we can get into how we're able to do that with our technology a little bit later. Um, and then today, uh, in a couple hours, we're actually dropping our first artist ever. And uh, our timing was pretty good, luckily, uh, which is it's Doja Cat, who some of you may know is currently has the number one global album on Spotify and is the number one streamed woman in the world on Spotify now, just past wow. Ariana Grande. So that's a quick intro, Kenny. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, we'll drop some links into the chat, Mariana, about um, Josh and one-off, not an issue. Um, what we'll do first, though, is because I think the reason we get a good turnout is everybody is really fascinated with NFTs, especially because this month was one of the highest transaction volumes, period. But could you maybe dig into more of the mechanics? How do NFTs actually work? 
Sure. Well, I will give the mildly amateurish version, which is my partner, Lynn, would give you the brilliant uh, genius level uh, answer to that. But essentially, um, NFTs verify authenticity and scarcity. Um, and so you have a digital asset and the blockchain can tell you exactly how many of them there are and if it is authentic. Um, and that's really as the most simplistic way to describe it. Uh, once you have that, you, you know a lot about something that's a collectible. In our space, you know, we really think of it as a co digital collectible space. Um, and once you know those two things, you know what you are collecting. Um, and so the canvas is very, very, very big and blank, and you can create almost anything within those parameters. And we end up on phone calls with artists who come to us with, we want to do NFTs, but we have absolutely no idea what to do. What should we do? And conversations start there. And that's kind of fun. And then we have artists that come to us with, we know exactly what we want to do. Um, here it is. Um, and we are a marketplace, so we can simply sell it for them or we can help them create it. So that may be a, a longer answer to your question, but uh, that's the simplistic idea. Keep it at the high level just for another minute. Um, you're obviously focusing on NFTs as it pertains to largely music. And we've actually had a, a different speaker on who was looking for exactly that solution. So, you know, it's, it's, in, it's in demand. But uh, can you kind of give a lay of the land of NFTs in general? Like what are the hot areas just as an educational pieces um, in music? Obviously, there's a lot going on, but then there's plenty of other areas. Kind of what are you seeing as the market trends in the NFT space in general? Yeah, well, I don't want to speak ill of anyone else, but a lot of what's going on is exactly what we try to do the opposite of, to tell you the truth. Um, we are going to be selling $1 NFTs, $5 NFTs, $25 NFTs. And our target market is the masses. It is the mass consumer, the person who's maybe afraid that crypto is not for them, that doesn't know how to fund an Ethereum wallet. Um, you know, all of those kind of things. And we think that NFTs are too expensive, too confusing, and that there's honestly a psychological barrier to entry in the NFT space. There are people that just think it's not for them because they're not crypto heads. And so we are trying to appeal to 16-year-olds who are Doja Cat fans. And so on our platform, you can sign up and purchase an NFT with both crypto or with a credit card and be done in about 90 seconds. That's the total onboarding into purchase flow. Um, and we really think that that is it, 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 it is going to change the market right now. Um, you know, my I was just talking to my 19-year-old cousin who goes to UCLA yesterday, and I was like, did you go get your free iHeart NFT from us? She knows all about the program. And she was like, no, I, I just figured it was going to be too complicated, and, you know, I can't figure out how to get an NFT. Um, and I think that's a real problem. Um, and so we have an education sort of uh, program as well on our platform because there's just – Honestly, 95% of the population thinks NFTs are not for them. Um, and we are, we're trying to break that down. Awesome. That, that actually, um, kind of digging into the reasons why this might not be for them is because there's some technical complexity that underlays the work that you guys do. We had one question from Brad come in here. How did you choose to um, build on Tezos? What, what was the thinking behind that? Did you consider other things in the meantime? Um, how did you wrap at Tezos? Yeah, so, you know, Tezos solves two of the biggest problems that I, um, that I think scare artists and musicians. Um, and the first one is the environmental blowback issue. 
Um, we've had multiple artists that we're going to doing drops with that announced they were going to do NFTs, got so much pushback from their fan base that they pulled their offering and are now going to offer them on our platform. So, you know, Tezos uses 2 million times the electricity of most of the popular blockchains that are used for NFTs. It uses the amount of electricity of, of sending a tweet um, versus, you know, on other platforms, it can be up to five days of a U.S. household's electricity. So we like to joke that no one can complain about us on Twitter because your tweet used more electricity than our minting process. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And the second thing is the price. Um, you know, I don't like to, to name names. I happen to own quite a bit of Ethereum. Uh, so I hope it does really, really well. But, you know, the gas fees on Ethereum yesterday to mint an NFT were $600. Um, and on our platform, it costs about two cents to mint uh, an NFT on Tezos. So, you know, it, it was just the right blockchain for um, for the use case that we're using, which is music and mass consumer and low price. Um, and we also think the type of consumer that we are targeting um, isn't really caring that much about which blockchain technology they're buying the $5 DojiCat NFT collectible on. Um, that's not the use case for them. That's not front of mind for them. Um, you know, when they're listening to Apple streaming, they don't really know which bit rate, you know, Apple's using when the music comes down. It's not, it's not important. Um, and so, you know, we also think Dapper Labs proved that, uh, you know, you know, people were spending lots and lots of money on a new blockchain flow that no one had ever heard of before. Um, so we think in these types of use cases, it doesn't really matter all that much as long as you have a stable blockchain. And knocking on that, you kind of mentioned a lot of different chains there, Ethereum, Tezos, um, Flow. So how does ownership work? And I think it's less of an issue for you, for your uh, assets, for the masses. Don't say that 10 times real fast. Um, <laughs> but uh if, if there's multiple blockchains that are claiming to be the source of ownership and they conflict, like, like how, do, how does that work? Like if you have an, uh, some, some art, right? Like how, how is there some way to intermediate that or mediate that? What does that look like? Or is it just kind of uncharted right now? Yeah, I mean, for our specific use case, we have exclusives with everybody that we're doing NFTs with. So there will be no other um, NFTs on other blockchains. So you will not see a Doja Cat you know, drop that will be minted on Ethereum or, or Flow or, or, or any of the other, you know, comp competing platforms. So for us, it's not really an issue. We end up with fairly long exclusives with most of the artists that we're working with. Gotcha. So you have the exclusive on the artist side. What about on the other side? Is like, is, is, is there court, um, I don't know, precedent at this point for NFT is actually a, a, a way of tracking record? Like, does that have any meaning? I don't even know if that's a reasonable question, but it's one of, from Aaron Wrinkler about U.S. copyright law and how NFTs pertain to it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you and say we haven't delved into that area all that much. Um, so I don't have a, a, a smart answer for that. The but, you know, what the blockchain does is put everything public. So, you know, it's a collectible and its its value per se is based on public perception. And since it's all public on the blockchain, the public decides in some ways. Um, if people just don't think it's real, then it simply has no value. Um, and I think that's the court in many ways is the market. Interesting. Well, that, that links up with another question, a bit more technical on the... Uh who owns the asset perspective? Who is the custodian of the asset? Is it, is it, is it with you? Is there, is the, does the customer self-custody that asset? How does it work? 
Yeah, you know, we have a hybrid model, um, which allows both use cases. Um, so, you know, we think 98% of our users, especially in early days, um, this will be the first crypto purchase they've ever made in their entire lives. This is their entry point into crypto, which is actually sort of our, our, our business philosophy, actually, which is trying to onboard, onboard 100 million non-crypto people onto a crypto platform uh, without even them necessarily mentally thinking of it as being them moving into crypto. So for those people, they're just going to keep their their token on our platform. Um, we have a custodial wallet and that will be that. And you know, when they want to sell their $5 Dogecat NFT and some future point, we have a marketplace for them um, and it will all just remain right there. So it's not really a use case for them. Um, there is the 2%, especially the ones that may be buying some of the higher priced NFTs on our platform. They're going to want to take it off, off platform. They're going to want to take it off chain. Um, they're going to want to move it around and, and we allow that as well. Gotcha. Um, that, that makes sense. And going, going back to the chat, Henry had a question. Um, what you're doing, well, obviously, would probably be fall under the collectibles category. And I think, uh, was it Mariah maybe who mentioned something about like, eh, baseball cards, basketball cards is pretty popular. What are some use cases outside of that that you're seeing NFTs gain some traction? Yeah, you know, I think there's an experiential component to it that is really part of what we're doing as well. Um, you know, you can form collections. I, I don't want to get in too much into what we have coming, but there's some fun stuff coming, um, which allows you to have a lifetime experience with an artist. Um, you know, we, we really are trying as much as possible and we're 99% successful to get artists to work with us on things that have a perpetual value to them. Um, not you get to meet so-and-so at a show in a month and then the NFT is done. Essentially, it has no value after that because you got your experience. And so, you know, experiential that lasts over time into perpetuity is something that's going to be in most of our drops. And, and in fact, uh, you can imagine some of those conversations with artists are, are pretty wild. You mean I need to promise to do something for the rest of time? Well, yes, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of how it needs to work. So, you know, experiential is one. We're also um, going to be releasing, and this is something that's honestly not being done that much by other platforms um, because of rights issues, but we're going to be releasing music, um, Kenny, as, as NFTs. New music, you know, unreleased music that's never been heard before. Um, if anybody has seen any of our press, we have luckily um, some, some really amazing names from history. And we have some pretty historical stuff that's actually never been heard before from top 20 in the history of music uh, artists uh, that will be uh, some fun shock and awe stuff that will be coming in the coming weeks. One of the questions that comes up here, again, go back to the custody bit, was um, uh, how do you, what kind of self-custody does uh, Wallace, does Tezos NFT support? Somebody wanted to, let's say they, they did purchase a high value item on the platform. Um, where would they go with it? How would they take it off platform? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to to punt on that question, Isla. I'm, I'm sorry. My no partner, Lynn, would be the one to answer that. Um, I know that you you can take it off chain, um, but I don't want to describe it incorrectly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'll let the let, let, if anybody wants to reach out to me and, and actually has that question, I'd be happy to put them in touch with Lynn and, and, and they can have an exchange. Absolutely. We have a, this is Jen, I head up communications for one of, we also have a FAQs. Um, just send us an email and we'll, we'll, any questions that you have, please let us know. 
Right. And Jen, thanks for being on top of the chat there. Everybody should have a partner in crime to, 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 to tag team with. Um, we, it's funny, the, the level of questions go from really high level to really technical in our audience, which really is probably a good thing. Um, one from uh, kind of um, Mariah, and I'll, I'll give you a backstory. In the last two days, including our very own uh, Ren Yu, we've talked to people who have had, who are on the younger side and actually are creating NFTs just to see like what the process looks like, what that goes on. You're focusing on influencers, which is totally fair, and it's going to get you, the, you know, mass market appeal. How does the other side, like, is there a, a market or a burgeoning ecosystem around creators? Like, are you seeing more artists coming in here? Kind of what, what are your thoughts on that dynamic for the non, you know, super famous people that are just kind of monetizing a new way? Yeah, we have an emerging artist platform that we've announced. Um, you know, one of the reasons that Quincy personally got involved in this is he thinks that this creates a direct to fan process and relationship that he thinks is going to benefit um, emerging artists. And so we are going to have certain days of the week where we only drop independent and emerging artists. And we actually have a portal on our website where artists can reach out to us, um, you know, for everybody here will understand we're business people for, for, for reasonable business reasons, we're launching with some very, very large artists to draw users into the platform. But, you know, the long-term use case for us is both a curated platform where we're going out to the biggest stars in the world and, and working with them and, and creating a, a platform for emerging artists as well. One of the questions that I had um, on my end, the secondaries market has massively picked up in the last six weeks or so uh, in the NFT universe. You, and you mentioned that your team also has a secondaries market somewhere in there. Um, how does it work? And what are your plans for that? Uh, how do you expect that to grow? Do you think that the value of these the NFTs that are kind of more mass market are going to increase over time, or is it more just for a personal collection perspective? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, for for a variety of reasons, um, uh, legality and the SEC being one of them, we don't like to talk about increasing in value. Um, we, we talk about it sort of as a collectible. Um, and that's a bit of a semantics uh, issue that that people can decipher for themselves. But, um, you know, the secondary marketplace is we think the largest part of our business going forward. Um, mm. And we've made it extremely easy. Once you claim an NFT right now for free on iHeart or purchase an NFT starting today with, with, with Doji Cat as our first artist, um, you know, 10 seconds after purchasing it, you can click the bucket, the bucket that the button, sorry, that says list for sale and you get to pick the price and boom, you're now selling it on our secondary marketplace. So we've made it extremely easy um, and we think it's, uh, you know, people can sell one, two, $5 NFTs there for resale and they can sell $125,000 NFTs there for resale. And the process is actually exactly the same. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one kind of take another high level in, in NFTs in general, and I recognize this probably isn't, isn't in your wheelhouse, but you probably have an opinion. The metaverse, we've heard a lot about it. What is the metaverse? How does that play into the NFT world? And is that a part of your kind of long-term strategy? Yeah, you know, I, I I am a bit grayish personally on where that all goes. Um, we are building a company that can play in that space, assuming that um, the true believers uh, are correct and that all happens. Uh, you know, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I know that there are millions and millions and millions of people that are fans of artists and want to engage with them 
in a way that uh, is fun and collectible and creates a new relationship and a new revenue stream for the artists. And, you know, I think we as a company are mostly focused on that relationship between the artist and the fan. Um, the rest of this will, will work itself out. And, and, you know, we've built a company that we think plays nicely, whether that happens or not. Well, on that high note, we're at the 15 minute attention span limit of most folks on a Zoom call. So we're going to do the interactive bit. Um, so we're going to do another round of breakout rooms. Uh, couple housekeeping items. One, it's, uh, it's networking, not pitching. Please be respectful of that and be kind. I don't know why I need to say that, but apparently I do. And then also we don't do a participant list. So if you find somebody you want to connect with after the event, um, swap details in and there or join our Telegram group. It's pretty active. Um, and just ask for something that's really good about that. Beautiful. I will pop you into rooms right now. And the question to discuss is, what do you think um, are the most interesting applications of NFTs? Is it you know, play to earn? Is it uh, entertainment? Is it sports? What are the bits and pieces that you think you um, see the highest potential for NFTs? I'm going to pop into rooms now, and we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, Josh, one more question for you, and you're going to be repeating yourself because I just loved what your comments were in our breakout room. Um, I think you said something about the technical element was not the hard part in this. It was uh, a whole other can of worms. Do you kind of want to elaborate on the music industry and all of the issues you were talking about in a breakout room? Sure. And I should warn you, Kenny, whenever you say something twice, it's not as inspired the second time, <laughs> but I will try to, uh, to say it again. Um, teasing. Um, yeah, you know, the hardest thing for us is just then the, the rights issues in the music space is a gigantic ball of wax that is, uh, is extremely difficult. And honestly, only when you get at a Quincy Jones level of music relationships over six decades, do you even have the possibility of wading through it? Um, the example that I gave in, in the breakout is, um, you know, you might have a hip hop song recorded by an artist. So that artist is on a record label. You have to do that deal. Hip hop songs are usually written by multiple people, sometimes 10, 15 people involved. So now you have 10 different publishing companies to go out to and do a deal for NFTs. And eight of them are gonna go, what are NFTs? We've never done the NFT deal before. Um, and so you have to go down that. Now, you, even if you go all the way to the end and solve all of that, now you've only dealt with the United States territory. So now you have 48 other publishing territories around the, around the world, um, which may have completely different rights and regulations. Um, and, you know, even artists can have a different record label from country to country. You can be on Sony in the United States and on Universal Music in South America. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's a significant uh, undertaking to, to sell music with NFTs, which is why I think I said also on the, on the breakout room, we, there have been times when we just said, you know what, adding actual recorded music to this NFT drop is simply not worth the lift. So we're going to make it, you know, art experiences, um, something along those lines and not music. So. Makes sense. And, you know, Scott had a quick follow-up question, which also happened in our room. So this is just really doing this all over again. Uh, what are you actually buying? So I'm buying, am I buying a song? Am I buying, like, do I own that song now? What, what is the, the value for lack of a better term that I get out of purchasing these NFTs? Sure. So if, if it includes actual music, you are buying a collectible version of that music to, to play that music. Um, there have been some discussions. There may be cases where we're selling the actual copyright that is possibly coming. 
Um, but the normal use case is you're just purchasing the right to use and play that. It's really no different than if I owned a Michael Jordan rookie card, um, what do I actually own? Well, I don't own Michael Jordan's name and likeness, that's for sure. And I don't even own the photograph that's in the card. Um, I own that version of that photograph in the card. And it's essentially the same concept in a digital space. Gotcha. Makes sense. Well, Isla, I think, uh, did that enough, enough time for you for breakout room shuffling? Absolutely. We're ready to go. We'll do another round of breakout rooms. I think the value of NFTs is something that people discuss all the time. And, and I think Josh made a good point there. It's actually the collectability of the item itself. Um, and, and as someone who loves art, I think about what, what, is, what does an NFT really mean to me as well. The interesting question for everybody to ball around, um, what is an NFT and how much, what is the value of it to you personally or as an as investment opportunity? Maybe just thinking through some of those questions. I'll open up the rooms now and uh, we'll see you back here shortly. All right, everybody. Welcome back from the last breakout room. Ours, uh, the, the, the new term for me was degenerative art. If you haven't, if you don't know what that is, go, go Google it because it's actually pretty fascinating. But with that, we are going to do a quick wrap up for the day. As a reminder, up next, join Telegram. Uh, the link's in the chat and will be in the follow-up email as well. Um, the audience or the, um, the, the, the community there is really good about introductions in particular. So if you introduce yourself and ask for whatever, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, I will be in New York City on September 14th and 15th. So if anybody wants to head down to Wall Street and uh, grab a coffee or a beer, do not be shy about reaching out. And then next week, uh, we have an index fund. We're bringing on another index fund provider, and we're going to talk about index funds in the cryptocurrency space, why they're hard, what's involved, how to structure them, all of that. So it'll be it'll be pretty interesting, uh, I think, for everybody. Uh, Isla, were there any talking points that I have neglected? No, I think that's it. Just remember to mark a calendar if you're in Atlanta at the end of the month, the 28th. I think we've got Dave in this call, and he's definitely on Telegram group if you want to sort out how you're going to show up to that session. So that's, uh, that's probably the last bit that I want to touch on. Any final questions, Kenny, that you want to? No, just Josh and Jen, congratulations on the Doja Cat launch. Let us know how it goes. And thanks for taking time from what we know is a very busy day to uh, impart some wisdom on the, on the community here. So thank you so much for, for coming. And, thank you very uh, much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And everybody who came, thanks for coming. Thank you. Nice to see you. And we'll be here same time next week. Learn all about crypto index funds. Have yourselves a great one. You Thank too. you, Kenny and Isla. Thank you. Pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Diffuse Tap with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the Fireside Chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.